The history of architecture in so-called Australia, or at least a part of this history in the southeastern coast, is a history of cement, or more specifically, calcium oxide. Calcium oxide, also known as lime or quicklime, is the result of a process of simple lime burning of limestone or other calcium-rich substances such as shell or coral. When put under high heat, compounds made of calcium carbonate break down into calcium oxide and carbon dioxide that rises into the air as clouds of smoke, leaving behind the ashy powder lime. Calcium oxide, when mixed with water, forms calcium hydroxide, or hydrated lime, which in composite with sand creates mortar. As mortar dries, it reforms into calcium oxide, absorbing carbon dioxide from the air to form calcium carbonate, returning to a solid state and completing the cycle. Cement mortar is used in the construction of masonry structures, including the composition of the bricks themselves in some cases. It is also the binding agent in concrete, which is the most ubiquitous building material in the world today. In the context of the place now known as Sydney, this cycle operates at another scale. When we think specifically about where the lime came from and where it went, we all understand that people lived and prospered here before the arrival of the first fleet and the formation of the towns and cities we now inhabit. We all understand that these people had their lands, livelihoods and even lives stolen wrongfully and unlawfully as agreed by the Australian High Court in Marbo versus Queensland in 1992. When you walk through the city, what do you see? How is that perspective different to that of an Indigenous Australian's view of the same urban landscape? A subjectivity continually marked as out of place, deviant or inauthentic in our cities. The British colonists invading Botany Bay in 1788 brought minimal to no building materials, anticipating limestone to be readily available along with other mineral resources. In the meantime, manicured forests along the coast were felled for timber structures and the Sydney Cove landscape was denuded of useful timber. The settlers built improvised slab huts and early masonry structures, but being bereft of lime mortar, they did not stand the climactic or ecological tests of these storied landscapes. Despite this, colonial settlement persisted, and through these insurgent moves, the colonists set upon the bountiful, though unrefined, stores of calcium carbonate that lined the coasts and estuaries of so-called Sydney. These were the massive shell structures colloquially known as middens, although to describe them as such limits the scope of their true intent. Kwandamuka artist Megan Cope references the stories of middens on her country in her 2019 work titled Reformation. Describes them as monumental forms in the landscape, a 22,000-year-old shell pile as high as a building. These shell structures contain within them complex systems that signify climactic and temporal information about a specific place and given their sustained presence in the landscape, represent sites of cultural significance to Indigenous people, such as ceremonial and burial sites. This redefines the colonial extractive practices also as exhumations. That the colonists describe these structures as kitchen middens or discarded refuse reveals the apparent fungibility the colony afforded the colonial other through classification and naming. Here, it is necessary to evoke the words of Catherine Youssef. We, white geology recognise geologic material practices, oil and mineral extraction, as explicitly tied up in the realm of the political. The declared innocence of acts of description and the historical inscriptions on bodies and geographies are left unexamined. The reading of the features of this landscape by settlers as matter and material led to this exploitation and destruction of vast midden networks and manicured forests. Lime heat burning was material intensive, given the high amount of fuel necessary to burn in the open, 
but every builder in the old Sydney town obtained building lime from the region's approximate 200 shell lime kilns. Contemporaneous to these processes undertaken by settler invaders on this country, the discipline of geology, which precedes paleontology and anthropology as a distinct academic discipline, was undergoing a shift. Geology moved from a practice of determining localised strata for commercial purposes of extraction to a temporal practice for determining the status of bodies in time and theories of the earth. The lineages and limitations of geological thought are an epistemological base by which racial difference is consolidated in this country. I mean this in both the historical context of settler colonialism and in our contemporary articulations of erasure of indigenous cultures and narratives. We can begin to picture this moment not only as a scenario of apocalyptic violence against those peoples whose languages, cultures and meanings predate and endure colonial settlement, but also this was the moment in which the structure of one world was literally transformed into another. Picture Sydney Cove, awash in clouds of smoke, as multi-generational networks of sites that carried cultural, geographic and climactic meanings built through millennia were burned rendering the foundational actions of settler colonialism as conditional upon the elimination of indigenous practices. These smoke clouds contain more than their chemical composition. The limits of what is possible to see, know and speak on this country have continued to transform through 234 years. To reflect on the sheer scale of what is lost and the silence that's created in its absence. <laughs> 